listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. I am so glad that you are here. It's so great to be here, worshiping our Lord and Savior together, singing songs of praise, uh, focusing in on how great our God is. I am, I am so thankful that you came today. I'm thankful for those who are not able to come as well, that are joining us online. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in or logging on. Not tuning in. We didn't tune anything. Um, but thank you for being here. Uh, what a beautiful day it is. Amen. Amen. We, God blessed us with some rain last night and this morning, and uh, just talking with a brother this morning, the, the freshness of the air and how the rain just cleans everything, uh, so wonderful, and, and to know that it also is cooling down. <laughs> we thank God for that. Uh, one announcement that I want to highlight to you and I want to share with you this morning, if you look up on the screen, is this. Now, I know as, as our church is desiring to, to be faithful and, and we, uh, our schedule is getting packed. And so please refer to your bulletin. Please refer online to all the announcements and all of the things that are coming up. I want to just introduce you to this opportunity um, in relationship to Thanksgiving. Uh, we are going to have a Thanksgiving lunch celebration. And really, for all of you church brothers and sisters, dear church family, I want you to know we're going to celebrate and give thanks to God for all the great things he has done. We're going to give thanks for family. But this opportunity, this lunch on November 19th at 2 p.m., and yes, come and pack shoe boxes and stay all day and join us for lunch. But mark this on your calendar to participate because the purpose of having this lunch is not just for us to eat as a church family and celebrate. The purpose is to reach out to friends that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord, to invite them. If you know someone that is not a follower of Jesus Christ, invite them to come and to give thanks with you, with us together as we share a meal together. And also we're going to share the ultimate reason why we are thankful, and that's because of Jesus Christ. And so this is, uh, yes, we're reaching out to those that are moving here for, for, to work uh, from Taiwan and overseas, but this is for all unbelievers to invite them to come, all right? That personal invitation, please think of one person that you can invite to join us here uh, for this Thanksgiving celebration meal, all right? Uh, November 19th at 2 p.m., okay? We're going to have it here at church it's going to be a wonderful time. So please mark this down and make sure that, that you can participate. If you have questions, you can come and talk with me after the service, okay? How many of you know or knew that Jesus is the great physician? All right, a few of us. Some of us are too tired to raise our hands. That's okay, I understand how that is. But the truth is, Jesus is the great physician. He's not just a great physician, he's the perfect physician, all right? And 
you know, as I thought about this and I was reading the passage and studying it this week, uh, looking at how Jesus continues his ministry. And again, we're going to see him perform two miracles uh, of healing, okay? Healing uh, a young girl and, and then healing a grown woman. Uh, I was looking back at my life and thinking back to some of my experiences uh, with life and death. And one of the most profound experiences that I want to share with you this morning, because I think this could be an encouragement to somebody, but I share it because this was a turning point for me in my faith, in knowing Jesus Christ, and in, in getting to know God better, and who He is, especially as the great physician. Now, when we think of a doctor, right, we think of someone we go to when we are sick, right, to, to receive healing or to receive treatment so that we can get better. And, and most of the time, we're thinking of our physical bodies, and so when I think about someone who needed healing, I think about my grandmother, my grandmother Lucy, who passed away when, when I was in college. And she had dealt with diabetes and, and that fought that battle that ultimately, uh, you know, led to infections. And, you know, when you have diabetes, it affects your whole immune system and all the other organs. And, and eventually towards the, the end of her life here on earth, um, her infections had gotten so bad that she had to have half of her arm amputated and a leg amputated. And, and I don't share this just uh, to promote it or, or anything like that or, or for emotion. Uh, these, I wrestled with this because all throughout you know, her, last, her last moments and, and uh, her last days, I was praying. I was praying. And can you guess what I was praying for? God, please heal my grandma. Help her to get better. God, help her. What happened? You know, she, she died. And so I thought about that. And at the time, it, I mean, of course it's difficult because she's my grandmother. Right? We all grieve the loss of loved ones. But it was also difficult as a Christian. You know, I was thinking, God, well, what? I, I believe in you, God. And, and you, you, you command us, you tell us to pray. And whatever it is, come to you in prayer and ask. And God, you are the great physician. I know you can heal her. And there was a moment, you know, in, in my spiritual life where after the passing of my grandmother, I was just thinking, God didn't answer that prayer. God, why, why didn't you answer that prayer? And yeah, I know, God, you're sovereign and you have a plan and you're in control. And so ultimately, I know in my head and you tell me that it's for our good and your glory. And so, God, I believe that, but it's just hard. And then after I thought about it and through the years, you know, when I look back, I realize God did answer that prayer. And, you know, I was so short-sighted, and my prayer was just for her health here on earth. God, heal my grandmother. Help her to get better. But see, what I forgot to realize, what I didn't remember at the, at the time, was that ultimately, God was caring for her all along. God provided for her perfectly. Because she had put her faith in Jesus Christ. And so, see, God didn't heal her from her temporary disease. God healed her for the rest of forever. 
And see, I, I share this with you because oftentimes when we see that Jesus is the great physician, we think about, oh, yeah, you know what? I wish God could heal me of this, or I wish God could heal my family member of this, or God could heal my friend from this sickness or from this, this accident or from this thing. And that's great. We should pray because God cares and he loves us and God does heal because we're going to read examples of that, of how God healed people of their physical ailments. Yet I want us to never forget. I want us to remember this morning as we look at these two stories, these two accounts of of how Jesus healed two women. I want us to remember and to think about this. Yes, Jesus, beyond the shadow of a doubt, is the great physician. But I want to challenge you to consider this. First of all, is your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord? And secondly, Consider that fact. What is it or who is it that you truly place your your faith in? What is it that is the object of the faith that you live by? You see, if I was honest back then, when, when when my grandmother was struggling, my faith was very shallow. My faith was in all I wanted was just heal her from her, her, her suffering right now, God. Just, just heal her and help her to get better so that, so that I can, we can spend more time with her. And see, what I, what I failed to realize what was, what was best for her, what's best for all of us at any moment, would be to be with the Lord. And yet every day that we're alive and that we're breathing is a gift of God's grace. Because we know that every day, every moment that we are alive here on this earth is a moment that God has planned for us for a very special purpose. And that's to accomplish his perfect plans. Yes, there's no doubt Jesus is the great physician. And so I ask you, dear friend, brother and sister, to consider as we study this passage, where is it that you place your faith? And so I want to invite you to turn to to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. And we're journeying through the gospel of Mark. And I want to share this passage with you. I'm going to read these verses out loud. Please follow along silently as I read them. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. And I'll read them out loud. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. 
Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, thank you so much for your word. God, we know that you are the great physician. God, you are our perfect heavenly father who created us and planned for us. And God, you started something in us, and you're going to see it through to completion. God, I pray that that you would give us wisdom, that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and our ears and our minds, God, to receive your word, the words that you have have prepared for us. And God, I pray that, that this morning, God, you would also help us to grow, to know you, to love you, to know your love. God, that you would change lives this morning as we study your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so you look at this passage, right? And the first thing, the first truth that I want us to consider this morning is this. Jesus hears your cries and he responds to your requests. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, brother and sister, dear friend, I want you to know that Jesus hears you. He knows you more than you know yourself. He knows your needs better than you think that you do. He knows you better than you think you do. Jesus hears your cries, and he responds to your requests. And and I I thought of this passage as I was thinking about this first section here. But Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, I want to remind you of of what it says. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And I don't have it on the screen, but I I want you to write that down as a reference to look at later. But I want to share it with you. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That was Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And see, when I think about how God hears us and how he responds to our request, I think about, I'm reminded of who Jesus is, right? Because of who Jesus is as the Son of God, he was both 
fully man and fully God. He was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, because of who he is and what he did for us on that cross. Right? He paid the price by shedding his blood to cover all of our sins. And he was put in that tomb and he rose from the dead because of who he is, because of what he has done. We can cry out to Jesus in our times of need, knowing that he knows what we are going through, knowing that he cares about us perfectly and he loves us more than we could ever understand and that he has a plan. And when we go to him, we can receive mercy and we can find grace. What? For what reason? To help us in our time of need. You see, Jesus hears your cries and he responds to your requests. You see, and when you think about that truth, when you think about going to Jesus, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, friends, I want to encourage you to go to him every day in every single way. And if you like to fill things in, please write that down in your outline. Go to Jesus every day in every way. And what I mean by that is in every circumstance. Go to Jesus. Look at verses 21 through 24. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one synagogue leader named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Okay, so this religious leader, Jairus, he is one of the most unlikely followers of Jesus because he is Jewish and he is a synagogue leader, right? He is part of this religious elite that for the majority, they reject Jesus. They think Jesus is, a, is speaking heresy. He's a blasphemer and he should be put to death and they're, they're plotting to kill him. And yet here Jairus is seeing what Jesus has done, seeing the miracles that he has performed, seeing his power, seeing his authority. And yet he has a great need. His daughter is dying. And so what does he do? He goes to Jesus and he pleads. He requests, he makes a request, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Does Jesus leave him hanging? What does it say? Jesus went with him. Jesus responded. Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed in on them, right? They weren't alone. There were the crowds were, were all around listening and, and wanting to see what Jesus would do next and what he would say. And yet here's this most unlikely person to come to Jesus, comes to Jesus and asks Jesus, Jesus, would you save my daughter? Jesus says, let's go. You see, when we read this passage, we see Jesus ultimately he heals two a girl and a woman. And this first one, right, is Jairus. He is this religious leader. And if you think about it, and if you study more about this, this man, he was probably there. He probably witnessed these previous miracles that Jesus had performed. But the truth is, he has this daughter who's, who's about 12 years old. And, and that's significant because there's this 12-year-old young girl that Jesus heals. And that later on in the passage, we see this woman who is suffering from this, this condition of bleeding for 12 years. And it's not the number that's important, but it, it's interesting. And it's amazing how God works. 
And so he has a need, and he chooses to go to Jesus. Why would anyone go to Jesus? Because you believe that he can do something. See, this religious religious leader, even though everything that he's learned in the past is pointing to reject this man, everything in him, his, his flesh, is, is leading him to reject this guy named Jesus who's doing these amazing things, but seemingly speaking heresy, even though Jesus is speaking the exact truth about who he is, this religious leader makes a choice. I've seen the evidence. I've heard about this man. He's standing before me. I, I believe. And I need help. My daughter is dying. And so I plead with you, Jesus, would you come? He believed that Jesus could save. And it's his faith that saved his daughter. How many of you can relate to suffering or difficulty in this life? How many of you guys, how many of you friends are going through something right now that's, that's extremely difficult? Would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand? Suffering is a reality of this life. Sickness, brokenness, it's all a result of sin. And it begs the question oftentimes, right? We're, we're, oftentimes we, we, this question comes up in our mind, why? Well, we know why there's, there's brokenness and sickness and, and evil. It's because of sin. But, but then God, for us as Christians, why God? Why do you allow your children, why do you allow righteous people to suffer? Well, when we look at God's word, we realize that God has a purpose for pain. God has a purpose for our suffering. And it really ultimately is for his glory and for our benefit. Because I think back to my own experiences. I think back to the story I just shared with you about my grandmother. Through that extreme loss and hurt, God taught me about who he is and about what he has done for me and how he has provided for me perfectly. And not only for me, but for every single one of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ as, as Lord. But we're, we're, we're tempted to ask, God, why, why, why? But I, I want you to know that that's, that's a normal question to ask. But, but I also want to share this with you, especially for us, brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have trusted Jesus as Lord. We know that God cares. We know that he has a plan. We know that he has a purpose for our pain. We know that he allows us to go through trials and temptations to, to teach us uh, to trust him and, and to mature us, to mold us and make us to be more like him. And he's working to accomplish his perfect plans for his glory and our good. And so I encourage you, brother and sister, as you are going through this difficult season of life or this difficult circumstance or this pain or this hardship, I want you to change that question. And instead of asking God, why? God, why are you doing this? I want to encourage you to ask God, what God are you trying to teach me? What is it, God, that you are trying to teach me? Or what is it, God, that you want me to do? Maybe it's something that God wants you to let go of. 
And maybe it is something very specific that God is calling you to do. Maybe it's to trust him for the very first time as Lord. Maybe it's to forgive that person. Maybe it's to stop doing and committing that sin that you do over and over and over again to to confess it to God and to turn back to him and to receive his forgiveness and to receive his help. Instead of asking why, I encourage you, brother and sister, dear friend, ask God, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me? What is it that you want me to do? Because knowing God and knowing his word changes everything, right? If I don't believe, if I don't know anything about who God is, then yeah, I'm going to ask God, why are you doing this? But see, when you understand and, and grow to know how God loves you perfectly, how God planned for you and planned for all of creation perfectly, and how God made a, a perfect way for us to be healed for the rest of forever from our sin, through his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. When we start to learn about that, who he is and what he's done, then that changes everything, doesn't it? That's why we're studying the gospel of Mark and we're going through it verse by verse because God has given us his word and it changes everything. We can request, make requests of God. We can go to him during our difficulty And we can be assured that he will respond. And I want you to know he doesn't always respond how we want, right? But he does respond according to his perfect plans. You can know that and be assured. Dear friend, God always responds perfectly. You know, and we, as we get to know him, we realize that God is not an angry judge. But he's our redeemer. He's a savior. He's our rescuer. He's our great physician. And you know, one, one pastor puts it this way in regards to suffering and difficulty in the life of a believer. Pastor John Piper, he says this. He says, the pain God causes is like the surgeon's knife, not like the executioner's whip. The pain God causes is like the surgeon's knife, right? A surgeon, we go to a surgeon for, to, to receive healing and treatment and help in our time of need. The pain God causes is like a surgeon's knife, not like an executioner's whip. So we go to God in difficult times, knowing that he has a plan. He has a plan in the midst of our pain. And secondly, as we go to God, we must choose to go to him in faith. Look at that, at verses 25 through 34. And a woman who was there, so we jump to this other woman. A woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she got worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. 
Again, a large crowd followed and pressed in around them. So here, right, we're introduced to this woman who had been bleeding. We don't know the exact condition, but there's been bleeding for over, for 12 years. Now, just that alone is something that, you know, we would not wish on anybody or want for anybody. And we can think about how difficult that would be or painful, but that wasn't all that there was to this condition. Because she was bleeding, she was considered unclean by her community, by the Jewish community. According to the law, according to their traditions, she was unclean. So what did it mean to be unclean? It means that she could not worship at church. She could not go and worship at the temple or make sacrifices for forgiveness unto worship to the Lord. She could not be around her family or her friends. She was forced to keep at a distance. So in a sense, she was isolated. She was treated like a leper for 12 years. For 12 years. This woman could could not be out in public, could not worship publicly and corporately. But what does she know? What does this woman know? She knows suffering. She knows pain. But she also knows this. She knows that Jesus is here. And so what does she do? She believes who Jesus is. She's heard. She's seen. And so what does she do? Her response to her in, her, in the midst of her difficulty is to go to Jesus. And it's her faith. It's her faith that compelled her to go. And we see that. We see the motivation. We see what she believes because we see a direct quote from her. What does she say as she touches the clothes of Jesus? She says, if I can just touch the edge of his clothes, I'll be healed. Her faith compelled her to go to Jesus and be healed. Dear friends, brothers and sisters, yes, go to Jesus in every way, every day, because we know who he is, because we know what he has done. But when we go to Jesus, go to Jesus trusting him. Trusting that he is who you know him to be. Trusting that he is who the Bible, who who he has told us and taught us that he is. Trusting in what he's done on the cross. Trusting that he is God and that he is good. And that he is working out his good and perfect will. Especially right now in the midst of our difficulty. Go to Jesus and trust him. You know, I read uh, this interview of a pastor uh, who talks about his journey from the highest of highs as, as seemingly like an evangelical hero to stepping away and turning away from God. And I read this interview and it was so interesting. This pastor expresses his failings as a teacher and Christian leader. And one of the reasons he stepped away from his faith, can you believe that, a pastor turning away from God? One of the reasons he says that that he turned away from God um, was because uh, of his past failures. All right, and, and so he, he, he lists these failures, and I'm not going to list them all, but, but it, it was interesting as I read, the interviewer then takes an opportunity to kind of challenge this pastor, not challenge what he's sharing, but to kind of to encourage him to, to, to think of it a different way. And so this pastor is sharing about his failures that led him to step away and turn away from God. 
But the, at one point, the interviewer challenges this pastor gently to, to look at it, his failings in a different light and to see how his failings did not have to lead to abandoning his faith. That's not like a natural equation, like, oh, I've, I've messed up and I failed. Okay, I need to reject God. That's, that's not how it has to be. You see, but instead, his failings, this, this interviewer interjected, but, but your failings, they could also lead you to God. They could have, lead, they could have led you to, to go to God and, and embrace this journey that God is leading you on. And ultimately, to know that God forgives you, that God can heal you of your past mistakes and your hurts. And ultimately, that there's hope for you, brother. There's hope for you, sister. He says, the exposure of failure is an invitation to go. See, when you encounter failure, this interviewer, this interviewer is encouraging and, and, and sharing. When you're exposed to failure, it's an invitation to go, to go to Jesus, not to run away from Jesus. Yeah, repentance. Repentance, acknowledging your sin, turning from it, and turning back to God. Repentance is the way of life. You see, messing up is nothing new to us, right? Well, some of you, you guys never make mistakes, I know. But for me, messing up is nothing new for me. Nothing new to my experience. We all fail. Some of us more spectacularly than others. But our sins, we need to understand who God is and what he has done. And understand this, our sins are never outside of the realm of God's grace. Our sins are never outside or beyond God's forgiveness. And so we need to go to God, and we need to pray. And when we pray, we ask God for help, and we trust Him, and we go to Him, and we run to Him. We seek His counsel and His strength, His provision, and His guidance. And so I encourage you, brother, sister, friend, go to God and go to Him in faith. And that second major truth... uh, And we're going to get through this quickly. Faith in Jesus means trusting him through the turmoil. Faith in Jesus means trusting him through the turmoil. You know, when you look back and you think about the Old Testament, you think about what the the people, the, the nation of Israel went through, you will read and you'll find in God's word that they go through this cycle of sin, even though they were God's chosen people. They struggled with sin. They turned away from God. God showed mercy and, and poured grace upon them, and they would turn back to God, and things would go well, and then they turn away from God. There is the cycle of sin and repentance, sin and repentance. But, and you see in Isaiah 41, 8 through 10, I want to share this with you because as I look at this, back way back before Jesus was born, that we have the same God today. In Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 10, just write it down. God says, Isaiah chapter 41, verses 8 through 10, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As we look at this gospel account in Mark, and as Jesus heals these two women, we need to trust Jesus regardless of the circumstances. 
The circumstances are a reality. We're going to get in difficult circumstances in this life, but will you choose, friend, to trust Jesus in the middle of the circumstances? You look at verses 35 and 36. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came uh, from the house of, of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Why ask him to help? She's dead already. And what does Jesus say? He says, he, he knows what they said. He hears them, and Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. Right? Don't be afraid. Yes, she is dead. But really, Jesus says, well, she's just asleep. Well, she did die. But Jesus has power over death. And Jesus brought her back to life. Jesus resurrected this girl. You see, that religious leader had faith, and he went to Jesus, and Jesus, and he made a request, and Jesus answered that and responded. Does he have to heal that, that, that his daughter? No. But according to his will and his plan, he chooses in that moment, at that time, to heal this man's daughter. And so please don't get this wrong. This is not a passage to say, look, oh, thanks, Pastor Steve. This verse teaches me that when I am sick and someone is dying, I can just pray to Jesus and they'll be cured. That's not what God is teaching us. The reality is, is that we're all going to die. Our lives on this earth are going to end someday. But do you know what? There is hope. Because by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so this religious leader knows this full well. And we need to be encouraged. Trust Jesus regardless of the circumstances and secondly, we need to trust him regardless of the criticism. Right? Look at verse 37 through 40. How did he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Brothers and sisters, in our desire to follow Jesus and to trust him and what he says, there's going to be criticism, there's going to be opposition, there's going to be persecution. People will slander us, people will, will, will argue with us, people will put us down. Look at they laughed at Jesus. He says, oh, she's just asleep. There's doubt. There's frustration. Think about all the emotions that are happening in this one moment. There's even hopelessness that, oh, we've lost this girl, this young girl with all this potential. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has a plan, and he's working it out. And here, yes, ultimately, he heals this young girl. But the, the emphasis here and the truth to be encouraged by is to trust him in the midst of the, the criticism, to trust him in the midst of the circumstances. And you can trust him because you know him. You can trust him because you know his word. You can trust him because you know that Jesus has saved you. And lastly is this. You trust Jesus because he is the Christ. You trust Jesus because he is the one that we've been waiting for. He is the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. 
He didn't just stay in that tomb, but he rose from the dead. And because Jesus rose from the dead, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is God, that he is the Savior, that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Yes, all around us is death and dying and brokenness. But that's not all there is to this world. You see, Jesus created us for eternity. And you look at verse 41 through 43. And I want to end with this section to focusing in on what Jesus did here. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum. Little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. And at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders. Don't tell anyone about this. And he told them to get her something to eat. That's very Asian. (laughs) Jesus healed her. So God is good. In Jesus Christ alone can we find hope. You know, I think about all the stories I've heard, all the stories I've read through the years of people who have gone through extreme suffering. I think about war veterans sharing about their experiences on the front lines. Seemingly hopeless, seemingly in a desperate situation, seemingly going to die. And yet all it took was just one truth, one thought, to change their whole perspective. One thought to give them that hope to keep going, to keep pressing on. Whether it was true or not, I hear stories of, oh, I just, this one thought came to mind and it helped me to keep going. But see, brother and sister, dear friend, I share with you 100% truth that you can stand upon, that you can run to, and that you can turn to in the midst of your difficulty. The fact is this, Jesus Christ is a great physician. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And you can find hope only in Him when you put your trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. And so what what difficulty are you going through, dear friend? And my question to you and my challenge to you this morning is, will you turn to Jesus? And will you allow Him to heal you for the rest of forever? No matter what may come in our temporary life. Will you allow him to give you that hope and that assurance of eternal life with him today? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. God, thank you so much for the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I know full well, even though only a few people raised their hand earlier, I know all of us have gone through some difficulty. And God, I pray that as we go through these difficult times, God, as we go through times of uncertainty, as we go through times of sadness, loss, grief, and pain, I pray that our reaction, our response would be to turn to you, that we would turn to your word, that we would stand firm upon your promises, that we would turn to one another and encourage one another with the truth of your word, the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And God, let that we would shout it from the mountaintop, God, that there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope for you, friend. There is hope for you, brother. There is hope for you, sister, in Jesus Christ. That we would not lose heart. That we would not give up. But we would go to you every day in every way. And that we would choose to trust you in faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And would you rise? We're going to sing this song. And this is a time for you to respond to God. Maybe there's someone here that wants to put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you want to do that today, I want you to know that all you have to do 
is just recognize that you're a sinner. And just confess with your mouth, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that you died on the cross, that you've forgiven me of my sin. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and I want to follow you all the way to heaven. And if you confess that today, you can know that you're forgiven. You can know that you've been made new. And you can know that you have eternal life. And the other part of the invitation is for you, brother and sister. Maybe God is leading you to take some next step with him. Maybe you are going through something difficult. And you need help. You need strength. You need encouragement. You need help trusting him. And knowing what it is that he's trying to teach you or what, he, what he's calling you to do. Well, if you'd like me to pray with you, I encourage you to come as we sing. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.